listening to sermons from South Point McDonough, where we are equipping the family of God for the mission of God, to see everyone around us transformed by the gospel of Jesus. For more information, please visit southpoint.org. So, hopefully you knew the answer to this question, but what is the most common animal in the Bible? Sheep, good job. A sheep or a lamb. Um, you may want to guess at how many times, if you're in my life group, you're not allowed. Okay? If, uh, yeah, how many times is a sheep or a lamb mentioned in the Bible? You may want to take a stab at it. 517, I'm not sure. Are those two different numbers or 517? Okay, all right. Okay, <laughs> 517. Okay, 517. Anybody else? 1,000, 100, 500. What you got? 547. $1. <laughs> so kind of all over the place. It's about 400 times, just over 400 times that sheep or lamb are mentioned. Anybody um, want to guess what the second most mentioned animal in the Bible is? Lion, don that's close. Donkey is close. Horses, yeah. Horses are mentioned 160 times in the Bible. May want to guess number three? Nope. Dogs. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, dogs are mentioned about 40 times. Um, and by the way, there are no mentions of cats in the Bible. Um, <laughs> But the Bible does talk about demons. So what do we know to be true about sheep? Anybody, what do you know to be true about sheep? Say it again. They're dumb, they're cute. They're followers, yeah, what you got? They have a shepherd, yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, they know the voice of the master, of the shepherd. Sheeps can eat anything. Maybe, I know goats can. What you got, King? Yes, sheeps are not smart. Yes, you're right. Anybody else? Yeah, sheeps are not known for their bravery, are they? They're not known for their intelligence. In fact, uh, sheep are such followers, if you don't lead them to where the grass is, sheep will literally, and I mean like a herd of them, like they'll just follow each other around in a circle. They will, they will eat all of the grass in one circle. They'll keep walking in that same circle till the grass is gone. And then they'll start pooping all over the grass that was there, the dirt. Then they'll start eating each other's poop literally until they die. When grass could be five feet away. But if the sheep in front of them continues in that circle, they'll keep doing that. Not the smartest. Uh, Sheep will follow each other into fire. They will follow each other off of a cliff. You know, you ask, hey, if, you, if this person does that, would you, would you follow them off a cliff? A sheep would. Absolutely. In fact, this is still a practice um, where there are sheep um, in some parts of the world. Uh, there is what's called a Judas sheep. Everybody say Judas sheep. That's hard to say, isn't it? So what happens is when it's time for the sheep either to be sheared or to be slaughtered, Either way, one of those sheep is trained to go into the slaughterhouse or the shearing house. And that one sheep, they'll, they'll call that sheep, that sheep will go in 
and then every single sheep will follow them. So imagine this. You see the sheep in front of you that just got slaughtered. You're like, oh, well, I guess that's what it means for me. Boom, next sheep, next sheep. Every single one of them and the whole pasture will go in. There's be slaughtered. It's, it's crazy. Not the smartest animals. In fact, I've got a few videos for you. You can roll that first video right there, Haley. Check them regularly, yeah. I just love his accent. Looks like that sheep had a rough weekend. Here's, here's another sheep. I don't know what they're saying, so I apologize if it's not good. <laughs> so you see the sheep right here. You're like, how did he get stuck in that hole? He saw the hole and decided to go in. He didn't think for a moment, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't go in all the way. He thought the best way, the best option when he was inside the hole was to literally go through the earth to get out of that hole. Isn't that crazy? It's my favorite. You've probably seen this one. And here it is again in slow motion. We look at sheep and we think, man, 
That's why Jesus calls us sheep. Maybe you've, you've found yourself in that same predicament in life before. You get out of one situation and you're like, okie doke, I'm gonna go in. Anybody ever been there? Maybe it's with your finances. Maybe it's with your relationship. Maybe it's with your marriage, with your kids, your spiritual life. Maybe it's something that you struggled with for a while. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's materialism. Maybe it's pornography. I don't know what that is for you. But here's what I want us to see this morning is that we need a shepherd. And all God's people said, yes. Or at least, yeah, or that's me, or yeah. Here's the good news is that we don't just have a shepherd, we have a good shepherd. And I want us to see this morning how Jesus cares for his sheep. So John chapter 10, this is the seventh week in the series on the seven I am statements of Jesus. And real quick, the reason we were doing this series, the reason that I think this is so important for us and the reason that Jesus uses these these pictures and these tangible examples of who he is, is because we should be reminded of these things week in and week out. He says, I am a door. So as you walk in and out of a door, remember, Jesus is the door of salvation. We don't really have sheep around where we are today. But as you think about when you see animals, videos, whatever it is, these videos think, man, I am a sheep. He says, I am the bread of life. So as you eat today, tomorrow, this week, be reminded, I need this food for my physical body, but even more so, I need Jesus for my spiritual soul. That's why we have all of these regular reminders, things that are incredibly tangible. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Next time you get in your car, man, Jesus is, is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. So John chapter 10, I want us to see three things this morning. The first one is this. First, that Jesus gathers his sheep. The first six verses say this. This is Jesus speaking. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. He's a thief and a, ro and a what? Robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. I want us to see three in these first six verses, three things. First is this, we don't become his sheep because we follow him. We follow him, Jesus, because we are his sheep. You see the difference there? He calls us. He initiates. He says, I want you to be my sheep. Come follow. And by the way, sheep, they, uh, they don't have very good eyesight. They can't see. So they have to listen. They have ears to hear. They have to listen. Jesus is a personal shepherd. He knows you. He knows your strengths, your weaknesses, your proclivities for sin. He knows your desires. He knows what's happening inside of your mind, inside of your heart. He knows you personally and intimately. And he says, I want you to be mine. He knows everything about you. In fact, if you look back at verse number three, you look there with me. Here's what I want you to do. Is when it says the sheep, insert your name in that spot right there, okay? I'll tell you what, let's do this together. As I read that verse, when, I get, when we get to that spot, I want you to say your name out loud, okay? I'll, I'll start with verse number two. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. 
To him the gatekeeper calls. Okay, say your name right here. Here's his voice. And he calls by name and leads out. He is a personal shepherd. Here's the second thing I want to see here is that we don't read the Bible for more information, but to hear the voice of Christ. So as you read his word, this is for you. Your name is there if you are his sheep. Maybe some of y'all say, man, I don't, maybe God isn't hearing my prayers. Maybe he's hearing this person's prayers, but he's not hearing mine. You ever go to a prayer meeting or somebody's praying, you're like, man, I want them to pray for me. God hears their prayers. Man, something must, must be wrong with me. I'm not as holy as them. God seems to be answering their prayers. Can, can I tell you this? It may be that God is not answering your prayers because he's not out to make all of your dreams come true. He's not out listening to you. You are to listen to the shepherd. He wants to lead you somewhere else that you haven't even thought about, that you never will think about, dream of, but listen to his voice. That is our responsibility as his sheep. The third thing under this, these six verses is that the confidence that you have in Christ this morning, him as your personal shepherd, the confidence you have in Christ is not in your ability to listen, but in his ability to lead. That is where our hope is. He's really good at leading. We are really bad at following. Amen? Some of y'all had kids and you're like, yeah, yeah, they are. Some of you once were kids. Yes, you were. Some of you used to be kids. You're like, yeah, I still am bad at following. But he calls you. He adopts you in. He wants to make you his own. No matter how bad you are at following, he says, that's okay. I've got you. I'm a really good leader. No matter what you've done in your past, he says, I'm going to forgive you of that. I want you to come and to follow me. However bad you think you are this morning, you're like, man, you don't understand how bad of a sheep I am. You don't understand how dumb I am. You don't understand how many times I've been pulled out of that ditch and then I run back in and boom, I'm in even deeper than I was before. It doesn't matter. Our shepherd is good. He pursues, he loves his sheep. If you see verse number six there, Jesus says that he knows his sheep by name, Notice how the religious folks respond. Verse number six, this figure of speech talking about sheep, Jesus used with them. Here he's talking about, John is talking about, Jesus used the figure of speech with the Pharisees, with the most religious people. He used this figure of speech with them and they didn't even get it. That's what John says. They did not understand what he was saying to them. Being called a sheep is not a compliment. And the Pharisees don't even get it. They're like, oh yeah, well, of course I'm a sheep. Of course I will follow you, Jesus, you know? They don't get it. He's saying, you don't understand. Secondly, not only does Jesus gather his sheep, but Jesus guards his sheep. Ezekiel 34, verses 22 through 24, it says this. I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be a prey. And I will judge between sheep and sheep. And I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. Notice real quick. So this is Old Testament. This is actually between David and Jesus. And so here Ezekiel is writing prophetically, talking about a new and better David who is to come. From the line and lineage of David, there is gonna be a good shepherd, Messiah. So here Ezekiel is talking about a really good shepherd that is going to be here. He's here speaking of Jesus. 
and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord. I have spoken. So here we see this foreshadowing from the line and lineage of David, this shepherd that's gonna be really good, who's not going to watch physical sheep, but who's going to watch over the people of God. So Jesus guards his sheep. Look at verse number seven. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, he says that 40 times in the book, right? Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone listens to me or enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. If you remember back in chapter nine, if you, if you want to glance back there, if you, uh, you can if you want to, um, what happens in chapter nine? Anybody remember? We looked at it a few weeks ago. He heals the blind man, right? Blind Bartimaeus, he heals blind Bartimaeus. As soon as blind Bart is healed, he receives his sight. What did the Pharisees, the religious folks, what did they say to blind Bart? I remember? Nobody? Who did this, right? How did this happen? How were you healed? And he's like, uh, it, was, it was this guy named Jesus. And they're like, no, 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 it can't be Jesus. There, there's, there's no way it could be him. And remember, they, they start trying to blame his parents for his sin. Here's what the Pharisees are doing. And here's what we do in our religion is we begin to heap shame on ourselves and on others. Something must be wrong with us. And the religious folks, instead of saying, man, I can't, this is amazing. God is such a, Jesus is such a good God. I can't believe he, he healed you. What a great miracle. They say, no, 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 get out of our religious circles. Get out of here. And then Jesus goes and hunts him down. Remember back in chapter nine, he goes and he finds blind Bart. He says, hey, I know that the Pharisees, the religious folks have cast you out. I'm not here to shame you. I'm here to show you mercy and to show you grace. That's why I've healed you. That's why you have your eyesight. Come and follow me. He welcomes him in. He is a good shepherd who pursues his sheep, who welcomes them into the fold. Every other desire, if your life is about anything else, then it is going to fail you. It will steal your joy and it will rob you of joy in Jesus. Let me say that again. If your life is about anything else, it will fail, steal your joy and rob you of delight in Jesus. That's what Jesus is saying right here. He said, there are thieves and robbers who are coming in to steal your joy. He's speaking here to religious folks. He's saying your, fulfill, your fulfillment is not going to be in this list of things, but it's in a relationship with me. It's about what? Look right there at the passage with me. Look at verse number 10. I came that they may have what? Life. And how may they have life? The last word right there and have it? Abundantly. Jesus is not about saying, hey, you've got to, you've got to do these things. Here's your list of things you have to do. We are saved from something and we are saved to something. We are saved from the destruction of sin and we are saved to a joyful walk with Jesus Christ. He has come that we may have life and have it abundantly. You say, well, ah, it's Memorial Day weekend. I can skip, I can skip the Sunday service. Oh man, it's, it's just life group. I can just, I can just skip this week. I'll, I'll join one later. I don't really need to be part of a DNA group. I don't really need to walk in forgiveness. 
I woke up too late this morning to spend any time in prayer. I'll eventually read the Bible later. The enemy comes, even the religious enemy comes and says, you've got to do these things so that God is happy with you. The reality is we have the opportunity to do these things together as his people on Sunday mornings in a life group, in a DNA group. We have the opportunity to go before a good father with Jesus Christ as our mediator and cry out to him to bring our hearts to him. The threat is not, oh man, you didn't live up. You didn't fulfill your task. The threat is that thieves and robbers are coming to steal you, steal of your joy. They're coming to take that away from you. So where is life abundantly found? In the presence of Jesus. How do we know more of the presence of Jesus? Through his word, through the people of God, spending time in prayer. That's how we know Jesus. He says, find life here, find it abundantly. Look at verse number nine. We just read this. Jesus said, I am the door. And Caleb preached on that several weeks ago. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Listen, friend, Christianity is not about good guys and bad guys. Christianity is about bad guys and Jesus. It's not about good guys and bad guys. It's about bad guys and Jesus. We saw it in John chapter 14. Jesus is not a way. He is the only way. He is not a way. He is the only way. What's beautiful is that it's inclusive. Jesus, the way is inclusive for anyone who puts their faith and trust in him. Whether you're old, young, rich, poor, white, black, wherever you live, wherever you're from, if you've been here for a month or if you've spent your entire 80 years here, in, wherever you're from, Greek, Jew, slave, free, whatever you are. Jesus welcomes you into the fold, but he is the only way. And in that sense, it is exclusive. Here's the last thing I want us to see from these four verses right here is maybe you hear that, that idea that Jesus is exclusive. He is the only way to heaven. He is the only way to a relationship with God. Can I just tell you this? That just because you don't like something doesn't mean it isn't true. Just because you don't like the fact that Jesus is the only way doesn't mean it isn't true. If you consider this statement, just because you don't like something doesn't mean it isn't true. Maybe you've experienced this when you step on the scale in your bathroom. Maybe you've experienced it when you look at your bank account. Maybe when you look in the mirror. I don't know. But that's what Christ is saying. There is no other way. There is no other option. And if you think, oh, man, I just don't know. I don't know if I believe in the exclusivity. If you, if you think that his word's not true, I would encourage you this afternoon when you go home, either take your door off of its hinges and just set it to the side that way your home can be as inclusive as possible. You don't want to exclude anyone. Or if you don't want to take the door off the hinges, unlock your door and put a sign in your yard. This home is inclusive for anyone who wants to come in. You're like, ah, that sounds a little crazy. We are all exclusive. And Jesus here is no different. He says, I am the only way. But then the third thing I want to see here is in verse, beginning of verse number 11. Not only does Jesus gather his sheep, Jesus guards his sheep, but Jesus gives his life for his sheep. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, 
who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will hear, they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. We see here Jesus saying, I want to invite you into this relationship, this dance that is the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, forever coexisting as the Godhead. And he says, I want to bring you in and make you one as we are one. Notice here the, the other option there, verse number 12. He talks here about a hired hand, verses 12 and 13. The hired hand doesn't own the sheep. He doesn't care for the sheep. So for a hired hand, this was a, a pretty lowly job, but for a hired hand, it was, it was just a way to make money. That's what Jesus is saying. The sheep aren't theirs. And so when a predator comes at night, guess what that hired hand is going to do? He gone. He's running. He's not looking back. I'm out of here. I can go get another job doing something else. I, it is not worth it for me to guard these sheep, for me to risk my life or even to give my life to or for these sheep because they're not my own. But when the father sees us, he sees us as something that is his own. He says, the sheep are mine. I know them personally, individually, and they know me. They know my voice. He's talking about here, he says, the good shepherd provides for us. The good shepherd protects us. You see what religion wants to do is it wants to keep you in the pen. In the pen, it's all safe. When you have your list of rules, your list of do's and don'ts, it's, you, you kind of know how to, how to function, how to execute, how to perform, how to succeed, right? And if you don't, you know what you have to do better. So in the pen, it's all safe. Man, I got my list of things I got to do. Okay, boom, as, soon, as long as I check these off, I'm safe, I'm good. But what happens if you stay in that pen too long? You start getting hungry. You start, there's not enough food there in the pen. That's why he says, I am, I am the gate. You can come in, go out. He doesn't say you just come in, boom, you're safe, you're good. No, you have to go out. And that's where the second part, not only does, does Christ provide for us by bringing us out of the pen, but while we're out here, he's going to protect us. He's going to protect us from the raging, snarling, bloody wolf that he talks about here that we see as our enemy, Satan. He says, I'm going to protect you no matter what. And so what would happen is, and we'll see this in a few minutes in Psalm chapter 23, we saw it, that the shepherd would have a rod and a staff for protecting and for bringing back in the sheep. So if, uh, so in the Middle East, when this was written, if uh, wolves or if lions or bears were to attack the sheepfold, the shepherd would go out and fend them off. And so even if that rod and the staff, if they broke during the battle, if those sheep were the shepherds, the shepherd would literally go hand-to-hand -hand combat for the sake of his sheep, which meant he was probably going to die. 
in the picture that we have of Christ, what he says here, he says, I am going to die for you, my sheep, because you are mine. You are mine. Isaiah chapter 53 says this, again, foreshadowing, talking about the coming good shepherd. This is talking about Christ. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one of us to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, talking about Christ, the iniquity of us all. Here's the beautiful thing about this picture is that in the Old Testament, the sheep had to die for the sake of the shepherd. But in the new covenant that Christ is introducing here through his blood, the shepherd fought the dangers of sin, of judgment, and death for his sheep while he was on the cross. That's a good shepherd. One who gives his life for the sake of his sheep. Remember how sheep are? Remember how we characterized them? Because at this point you're thinking, oh yeah, well, of course Jesus would give his life for me. Uh, of course he would, you know, because I'm, I'm smarter than the average sheep. Yeah, but you're still a sheep, man. Like your IQ still isn't really that high. Even for, even for you may be smart for a sheep, but bro, you're still a sheep. Yeah, you don't understand how religious I am. However religious you are, you're still a sheep. You still turned every single one to your own way. Five times here, Jesus uses this phrase, he lays down his life for the sheep. Just in these verses, he uses that phrase five times because we are his. So if the good shepherd, Jesus Christ, laid down his life for the sheep, does that mean that we are now shepherdless because our shepherd has died? No, no. Because of the resurrection, now we have a good shepherd who is victorious over sin, victorious over death. We are no longer strangers to the Father. We are no longer separated. We are no longer victims of sin for all of eternity, but we have a good shepherd who brings us through. He says, you are mine. Because of my victory, you will experience life and experience it abundantly. He's a good shepherd who gave his life for the sheep. He is a living shepherd. But look at verse number 14 with me. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. So here's what, hap here's what would happen is at night, if you were a shepherd or if you needed to go into town for something, you would check your sheep into uh, like a big corral or a big pen there. And there would be a lot of other flocks that would go into these pens. It was just like a big open area. So you could go and check your sheep in. And if you had a hundred sheep or whatever, you, they would be in this pen with uh, dozens or hundreds, maybe even thousands more sheep. But in the morning, whenever you wanted to come and get your sheep, what you would do is you would go to the pen, they would open the gate and you would start making your specific noises. You would start calling your sheep by name and only your sheep would come and follow you because they knew the voice of the shepherd. Isn't that incredible? So even as oh, low IQ as sheep are, they still know the voice of the shepherd. So here's what I wanna do just for a few minutes. Um, I, Jeremy Stewart, will you be a volunteer for me? Will you be a voluntold? Come on up here, Jeremy. 
So here's what we're going to do. All right, so what I want you to do is put this blindfold on. Yeah, just like that. Okay, can you see anything? No. You sure? Okay. Jessica, any requests? <laughs> okay, so here's what I want you to do. So I have a couple things here. I want you to only listen to my voice, okay? You can hear me? Don't listen to anything else. All right, so we're going to put that there. You ready? Are you nervous? That is a big mistake. <laughs> you must have spent a lot of time in prayer this morning. Here's what I want you to do is I want you to um, shift to your left just a wee bit. Take a little step to the left. Okay, perfect. I want you to take one small step forward. Okay, good. Now I want you to take one big step forward, kind of high with your left foot first. Forward. There we go. Good job. All right. Right foot. Good job. Let's, let's hear it from Mr. Stewart. Yeah. Good work. No, 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 you, you got to leave those on, all right? So here's what I want you to do. Uh, this, is, this is a little more challenging. So I want you to take another really big step forward with your right foot first this time. Right foot first, big step. Okay, good. Left foot follows. Okay, great. Looking good. Let's hear it for Jeremy. Come on now. So here's what I want you to do next is I want you to slowly... Without using your hands, just have a seat. <laughs> just have a seat. Do you trust me? <laughs> just a little bit lower. You almost got it. You almost got it. Hey, look at you, man. Good job. He trusts me. Now, when I first called you out from over here, out of the darkness into the light, did you know what you were going to be doing right now? No. When you, did, did we talk about this at all this morning? Yeah. No, we did not. Um, did, when you got dressed this morning, did you think that you would find yourself sitting on a can in front of 100 people? Absolutely not. Okay. But what you did, I didn't tell you what you were going to be doing this morning, right? I didn't even tell you. I haven't told you yet what the next step is. But you listened to each little step. What does Psalm chapter 119 say? A lot of stuff, right? Yeah. The word is a light to my, to my path, to my feet. It's right here. He doesn't, the father may not tell us what the destination looks like, but what he says is follow me with this next step. That's it. Okay, stand up. You gotta leave the blindfold on, okay? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take uh, four really confident steps forward. Okay, great, good job. Now, I want you to take, uh, let's do two more confidence steps forward. Good. Now, to your right, I want you to turn 90 degrees. Okay, now, uh, two more confidence steps forward. Guess pretty good. Hey, nice work, that's perfect. Okay, so what's right in front of you uh, are two steps. If you uh, scooch to your left just a little bit, I don't want you to trip on that. Um, I wish we had Chris here. We have good insurance, right? Okay. <laughs> Okay, he's good, yeah. So I want you to take two steps up. Okay, good. Okay, another one. All right, so here's what I want you to do is turn to your right, 90 degrees. Okay, so here's what I want you to do, all right? So what was the very first thing I told you? 
Only listen to my voice, right? Okay, so here's what I want you to do is, go ahead and put that up. Okay, here are your directions. Everybody got it? Okay. Here we go, Jeremy. If you, if you mess up, you may end up on your back on the, on the ground, all right? So here's what we go. One, two, three. Okay. I want you to walk straight four steps. All right. I want you to turn to your left at 90 degrees. Good. All right. I want you to put both hands in the air. All right. Good. I want you to turn all the way around, do a 180. Good job. Put your arms down. Good job. Now, yeah, yeah, he did it. Now, was that more difficult? Definitely, Definitely more difficult. That's true. I do have a microphone on. It was still hard. To hear. It was still very hard. I was, that's why I scooted closer. I was like, I don't know if he can hear this. We don't have speakers facing this way. But here's the thing. As Jeremy is trying to listen to my voice, when it's just me speaking, it's like, oh, that's easy. There's a lot of trust, a lot of, he's like, oh, I, you know, I have faith, but it's, it's relatively easy. Even sitting down on the can, like it was, there's not anything else that he's listening to. But friends, that's not real life. Real life is this, blindfolded with all of these other voices from the culture, from the enemy, from friends, from social media, yelling, screaming at us, telling us, go that direction, go there. Here's what you should love. Here's what you should desire. But friend, there's only one good shepherd. And sometimes it's really hard to listen to his voice. But he is faithful and true. Can we hear it one more time for Jeremy? Yeah, thanks, dude. All right, you're done. You can take those off. Thanks, bro. <laughs> you can do it at home when you get home later. All right. We see here the sheep know his voice. They listen to him very well. Look at verses 17 and 18 with me. For this reason, the father loves me. Here's why. Because I lay down my life for the sheep. That is the mission of God. That is the mission of Jesus while he was here on the earth to lay down his life for us. When we were essentially laid over on our backs, <laughs> not even trying to roll over. When our heads are so far down in a hole, we can't even see the light. As we're jumping from one ditch to the next, just as happy as we can be about it. Jesus came. He became sin for us so that we could be his sheep. Verse 18, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. Friend, at the end of days, at the end of days, our graves will be open and those of us who are in Christ will hear the voice of the good shepherd and we will be with him for all of eternity, experiencing abundant life, abundant joy. But he says, we don't even have to wait till then. We can experience that now because of his presence, because of what he has already done for us in sending us his spirit, in giving us his word. 
He has already made us one with himself, with the Father, with the Holy Spirit. Man, that's really good news for us this morning. We get to look forward to even better news, but today we have really good news. One day that relationship is gonna be perfectly restored. We're not gonna have sin messing with us anymore. But today the relationship has been restored because of Christ's sacrifice for us. Here's what I want you to do with me. If you would stand to your feet. This is not a test. I'm not gonna ask you to trust me. But Psalm 23 is gonna be on the screen. I want us to read through this slowly, out loud together, and picture yourself there as, as a sheep with a really good shepherd. And notice how the shepherd serves, leads, guides, sacrifices for, provides, protects his sheep. Let's read this out loud together. Here we go. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Father, this morning as we stand here, as we read this psalm, we know this to be true. I pray that we would be walking with you as our shepherd. Wanting for nothing because we have abundant life in your presence. We will fear no evil for you are with us. You prepare before us a table of goodness, of righteousness, of life. I pray that we would be feasting at a table that you have prepared for us rather than at the table of our enemy, at a table that looks so good so often, but it's just junk food. There's no nourishment there. I pray this week that we'd be reminded that you are a shepherd that has laid down his life for us, for me, for each person in this room who has placed their faith and trust in you. I pray that we would press into that relationship personally, that you would reveal yourself to us. We thank you for your leadership. We thank you for calling us. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. Y'all can stay standing for just a moment. Um, as we celebrate this meal of communion, this is a table that has been laid before us. And even as David wrote that, Jesus fulfills being a good shepherd, but he is the good shepherd whose body was broken, whose blood was poured out. He was sacrificed as our good shepherd for the sake of our sheep. 
He, he didn't need anything from us. We have nothing to offer him. But he calls us to faith and to obedience. The reason that John wrote this book is so that we would believe. We would believe that Jesus Christ came and lived perfectly in the flesh, that he died the death that we deserve to die on the cross, that he rose victorious, and that right now he is seated at the right hand of God the Father. So friends, as we participate in this meal, there are stations set up around the room. As we take the bread and dip it in the juice, may we be reminded of what Christ has done and the goodness that he offers us in himself even today. The goodness of his presence is so much better than anything this world has to offer. And he leads us in that path of righteousness. So for those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ, those who are needy, those who are wanting, those who, are, who don't have everything figured out, this meal is for you. And I would invite you to join with me now.